0: Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and with me is my co-host, Travis McQueen, and today we got a Q&A. Got a lot of good
1: questions here coming from all over the place. We got some Facebook, we've got some ones that were emailed in, mm-hmm. and coming from Instagram.
0: And as always, guys, remember there is a form for you to fill out. So we got to be better about pushing this. Um, it's in the link of my profile. So if you follow me on Instagram and you ever have a question that you specifically want on the podcast, because uh, I do a lot of Q and As, I do one every week on my story. We pull the good questions from that that I know I can dive a little bit deeper on the podcast with. But also, it's you can only fit so many characters on it, so. Sometimes you guys want a more specific question. Click the link in my bio, there's a menu there and there is a little button that says podcast questions or Q&A or ask me a question or something like that. Click it. That'll take you there. It's also in the description of this podcast, uh the show notes of this podcast wherever you listen to it. Um so click that, fill out the question, give us some questions for the Q&A if you have any. Um but we do have a lot. We have quite a bit of a diverse amount of questions
1: yeah and that uh that link in the uh show notes allows you to go a little bit more in depth and explain yourself
0: and explain what your question is and be able to get more details on put some funny ones in for (coughs) me um marty marr if you're listening to this he's an old-time listener i was actually on his podcast before too him and his boy started one but Mm. um that dude used to leave the funniest questions for me and theo and then he kept doing it when i took over the show by myself and he kept doing just hilarious personality questions um but I always like those. There's one on today's that's pretty funny. Yeah. That made me think quite a bit. Um but those are always good. I, I like ending the podcast with one or two of those those funny personality questions. And when we start getting ready to do interviews, I think I'm gonna come up with those. Cause you know, I used to have like uh at first it was okay, you, you can you can being a bro, you got to think of your favorite meal. But it's like you can sit at a table with three people and eat whatever meal you want. Totally. What are you eating? Who are yeah. you sitting with? And then it was the plane going to Japan just because that was the, like, the longest flight yeah. from here. Um, but I would pick a destination that was furthest from whoever I'm interviewing. And then uh, you're sitting next to two people. I got to think of a new personality question because after the summer is over, we're going to get ready to do um, more interviews again, which will be good too. If, if you have any interview request. You can fill out that same form and let us know, or yeah. you can DM me or whatever, but um, I want to gather a list together. Uh, I've, I've got a couple people I'm trying to schedule with. Uh, we did book, um, I can never pronounce his last name, but most people know him, Dr. Aaron, as uh, Squat University. Really, really excited about that. It's going to be a good guest. Um, I've been following him for a while, but he's just grown such a, a huge following, uh, 1.8 million people on Let's Instagram go. now. He just came out with a book, um, I have it right there, called Rebuilding Milo. Really, really good book. It's it's kind of one of those books, it's like the muscle and strength pyramids, but for movement, so it's like an encyclopedia yeah. of exercises, rehab, mobility, like perfecting the squat, the deadlift, whatever, really, really good book. He's a, a physical therapist, but he does things a little bit differently than a lot of people um, because he has a much more uh, bigger influence of the strength world and Olympic lifting and stuff in his background, but I'm um, excited for that. So uh, we have a couple other than I'm trying to go back and forth with and trying to get them on the schedule, some bigger guests. But if you guys have anybody, uh, please send them our way. Cause we do want to start locking in guests and, uh, um, we, we are pretty specific with who we bring on the podcast now. It, it has to obviously be somebody that is going to bring a lot of value to uh, our audience and, and our clientele and everybody like that. And then um, also somebody that I can have a great conversation with, yeah. that is fluent with the conversation. Um, so if you have good recommendations, send them our way because we're looking for that after the summer's over and the chaos of our lives slows down a little bit and schedules open up, we're going to be able to do more of those, which I'm excited for. Um, and, yeah, dude, I feel like once August is over, life's going to go. Whew, For sure. Just slow down. There's just so much going on.
1: Yeah, you want to uh, plug the uh, free webinars on the uh, guides page? Yeah. Uh, a program. lot of people don't
0: even know that those are there, honestly. Yeah,
1: Program 101.
0: Um, scroll to the bottom. Yep. What are they? We got Program Design 101. Yep, Performance Nutrition Seminar. And then is there one more?
1: Yeah, it's another uh, part two of
0: Program Design. Okay. Um, so Program Design and uh, Nutrition basically the fundamentals of, uh, I say performance nutrition, but we kind of cover like the whole triangle, right? Uh, we, we do touch on health, but we heavily get into performance and aesthetics. I, I gave this talk at a CrossFit gym. That's why it was called the Performance Nutrition Seminar, but those are all free. So go check those out. You can go to tailorcoachingmethodcom guides. You scroll to the bottom of the page underneath the eBooks and the guides, um, all of which are free as well. And you can just click the button. You can download any of those for free and, and watch and learn with me for an hour or so. Absolutely. Shit, I think the performance nutrition seminar is longer than an hour, but that was the one at the claw where you and Tori are like yeah, tapping your wrist like, bro. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, it's been like three and a half hours, and <laughs> you're still going. And the funny thing about that one was well, after the seminar, I was the like— The seminar wasn't three and a half hours.
1: We were just there, and we yeah. had we had to get somewhere else. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, because
0: we were doing Q&A and stuff yeah. at the end. and um, But the funny thing was afterwards— I remember being like, dude, I just didn't know what time was. And yeah. you're like, there's a huge clock right there. <laughs> and it was like a digital timer that they had for the gym. But yeah. it was just a clock. It was like massive. I was like, oh, yeah, bright red letters. Yeah. I was like, oh, shit, that is there. <laughs> but uh, that's that zone the for me. That happened to me at the, the seminar at Arizona, the Impact Collective, I think it was still called back then. And uh, same thing. They were like, you only have an hour. And it was like an hour and 15. And Michael's in the back like, bro, come on, like wrap it up. Whoops. It's hard, dude. Let's get on a roll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be cautious about that at your wedding. I'm going to be very cautious about That's that. That's fine. Yeah. Um, as, as long as I don't have some drinks before the speech, yeah. then i think I'll be oh, able Oh, you're to, going to. A couple. Yeah. I'm not going to. No. Dude, I'm nervous. I it, can't do that.
1: I told you only like a couple. Yeah. All right, guys. Let's get into this Q&A. We got some great questions today. We are going to start off one from Glory T.G. It says, train suggestions and key considerations for building a bigger back.
0: Posterior chain in general? Love this question. Um uh, <clears throat> I'm a huge fan of the posterior chain. Uh and that's and <laughs> as, <laughs> as a training geeky guy, you think uh like huge butt guy. Yeah. But I am posterior chain, especially the glutes, not because of what I'm into, but because if you don't train your glutes, you are more likely to have Lower back issues. You are also more likely to have tight hip flexors, and you are also less likely to be explosive, strong, and powerful in any explosive dynamic movement or really full body functional compound lift. So, if your glutes are weak, you're not necessarily going to have a a weaker squat, especially if you're closer closer stance squat because quads are dominating in the squat. Um, I would more so work on strength of your. Quads and calves, uh, calves to improve ankle mobility as well, and, and the stretch reflex, so you can get more depth. But if you have weak glutes, you are l- more likely to have lower back issues when you squat. If you have weak glutes, you're lo- uh, you're less likely to have a strong deadlift, and you're going to have lower back issues in that as well. You are uh, less likely to jump high. You are less likely to jump far. You are less likely to run fast, sprint. Uh, damn near everything explosive. It's why if you've ever seen uh, a football player in like a a really high level, like I'm talking pro college level football player, um, not in uniform with other football players, Mm. but in like jeans or slacks, look at his butt. Like they have huge glutes and hamstrings. And you notice it more that way because if they're in jeans or slacks, one, it's abnormal to see them in those because you used to see them on the field. And two, they're not around a bunch of other football players who also have huge glutes and hamstrings. It's like when you see a professional basketball player in real life and you're like, oh my gosh, you are so tall. But on the court, like even They're compared to everybody else, LeBron James is what, six, eight or something? When you see him on the court, six, you're, he looks like an average dude. Yeah. Like he, he looks jacked, but he doesn't look six, eight. When you see a six, eight person in real life, Scary. it is weird. The only professional person I've ever seen in real life, like up close next to me, is Lamar Odom. And he's pretty tall. Yeah. But he's way taller. I mean, Seven foot, maybe? Yeah. But he doesn't look freakish on the court. Like, Kevin Durant does because he's so skinny. Yeah. But, um, how tall is Lamar? 6'11". So, that's a crate two inches taller than yeah. LeBron? He looked like an alien in real life. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for an Uber next to him. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it was weird in uh, LA. Yeah. And he gave me that look like, come on, bro, don't. Stare at me. Don't stare at me or don't, don't say anything to me or, like, ask me for a picture or anything. Luckily, I'm not a basketball fan. I was just like, holy shit, you're so tall. Yeah. Um, same with Wiz Khalifa. That guy is huge and very life. tall but um, point being is uh, football players they're explosive they if you look at an athlete in a full sprint we've all seen those like silhouettes of, of like a emoji or like a person sprinting and they're like fully leaning forward right they're at like a diagonal angle like if they were standing still they would just fall over and the reason is because when you have that forward momentum you're going into a lot of hip extension you're doing a lot of leg drive all of that is pulling your hips back you're going to get way more glutes and hamstrings. If you go into a hill sprint, you're getting less glutes and hams. You're getting more quads because you stop your stride short. So if you're on a hill, your foot contact to the hill eliminates the ability to have a full leg extension so your knee locking out and then your hip and glute driving your leg behind you. Totally. Um, which fires the glutes and the hamstrings. But, um Point being is, is that's what causes explosion. If You look at a basketball player jumping, they jump and they're in hyperextension, right? They're reaching up. So their thoracic cage opens up. If you look at a volleyball player, same thing. Um, If you look at a baseball player throwing a baseball full extension. So you need to have a very strong and stable posterior chain just to even hold the position of power and explosiveness, let alone be able to actually like a slingshot, throw it back, right? And actually explode with power. So it's really, really important. But the, the whole thing with that too is it's also important just for general injury prevention. Um, a lot of the people I saw in person, they, they, sit, I mean, most people we sit all day. I mean, yeah. even I do, we do, yeah. right. We yeah. sit at a desk all day. Our hip flexors are, they're shortened. So imagine this, imagine if you held you, like we taped your hands or if have you ever broken your arm? Had a cast Nope. nearby. So can't really use that example. Um, if you held your hands at a 90-degree, your elbows at a 90-degree angle, right? You hold your hands out, right? Yeah, <laughs> knock on wood. Um, break your arm dancing on, yeah. <laughs> on Friday You ready? wedding. Uh, you have your elbows flexed, right? My biceps are firing just because I have my elbows in a flex position. Imagine if I taped them this way and I held them here all day. Yeah. When I went to stretch it out, it would oh. be painful, Very. right? Because my bicep is shortening yep. all day. And we wonder why people's hips are immobile and hurt and their low backs hurt because we're sitting all day. Most of the day, our hips are in a shortened position. It's the same exact thing. Totally. You know what I mean? So now our hip flexors are firing, our psoas and some of the things in our lower core hips are firing. We need to stretch them. We need to work the opposite in order to relieve that, right? That's why you saw me doing it that one day. I was doing, I think I was doing sissy squats or something, but my quads were on fire. So I laid on the ground. I drive my heels into the floor and fired my hamstrings because I was trying to pull blood away from my quads and let my quads stretch without pain. If my biceps were that tight from holding my elbows to that, I would start doing tricep extensions and flex oh. my tricep yep. to try to pull some of that and stretch the bicep. Um, but this is like exactly why people come to me uh, at the gym. They're like, all right, I want to I look better right here. And they're pointing at the front of their bodies. And I'm like, cool. Because, I mean, that's what they see, right? My stomach. I want my arms to look better. Shoulders. How does this look? That's, it, nobody thinks about that. Yeah. But I'm like, okay, well, we're going to train your back. And they're like, how the fuck is that going to help me? And I'm like, well, number one. You're so immobile and tight that we can't train the front properly without overworking it because you're working it all day by slouching over your desk and sit, sitting, right? You drive to work, then you go to work and you sit at your computer all day, driving, computer, then you go to SoulCycle and you pedal on a bike and you're in that position again and it's just like constant flexion. So number one, the posterior chain is super, super important for every, everyone, athlete or not, to train. Now, the best ways to train it, she wanted a thick back, she said, right? Uh, just building a bigger back. Oh, I thought she said thick back for some reason. Um, bigger back in general. Okay. So we know the importance. Second thing, how to build a thick back depends on, I think, where your weak points or your imbalances is. There, there's a lot of people who have, um, for example, if you have rolled over forward, forward shoulder posture, like if you have protracted shoulders or you just generally have like a, uh, protracted thoracic cage where you just kind of hunch over, I'm going to work your upper back i'm going to do way more face pulls and um so external rotation of the shoulders and then horizontal rows not that many vertical pulls like pull and chin ups, because if i'm in a rounded shoulder position it's hard i can't even really reach overhead properly right i need to first learn how to retract my scapula so i can get into full range of motion over my head totally so more horizontal pulling um typically I usually do suggest, and this is kind of like a a general guideline that there's a lot of like really, really smart strength coaches or PTs that kind of shit on this rule now of like the uh, two rows to every one press. And I think they shit on it because it's an oversimplification to a problem that people are having. And I agree with that. You Mm -hmm. should address the problem by doing mobility and, and stretching your pecs, your lats, fixing the issue. But at the same time, it's a really good general guideline for a lot of people you should if your shoulders are fucked up or you have bad posture you should absolutely row more than you push it doesn't always have to be twice as much could be one and a half some people have shoulder issues i have clients that are recovering from shoulder injuries it's three times as much so it's individual the general guideline is is kind of a cop-out but you should probably row horizontally more than you push and you should uh, row horizontally more than you pull vertically but my advice is, is to hit it two to three times a week, so with a higher frequency, um, and do somewhat of a daily undulated periodization style. Most people hear that, and they think strength, power hypertrophy. Yeah. I think of that, and I think of hitting the muscle three different times a week with different rep ranges. So you have a day where you do some heavy pulls. Maybe it's a one-arm dumbbell row. Maybe it's a cable row. Maybe it's a barbell bent row. But either way, you're doing less than 10 reps. You're doing like five to eight reps, and you're going heavy. And I want some big compound movements, weighted chin up seated cable row, barbell bent row, one-arm heavy dumbbell row, something really heavy for six, five, six, seven reps. Then you're going to have some um, higher rep pulls that we're doing eight to 12 reps with. And then we're going to have some super high volume pulls that we're doing 15 to 20 reps with. So now we're doing strength, hypertrophy, and then muscle endurance technically, but more along the lines of like accumulating a ton of lactic acid in the muscle, which is tied to hypertrophy as well. Um, So we're hitting the muscle three times a week, three different rep ranges, and now we're going to do it from different movement patterns. I'm going to do it with an external rotation dominant movement, so band pull apart, face pull, um, something upper back, rear delt, trap oriented. Then I'm going to do a... Horizontal pull, that's like mid-elbow range. So I'm hitting low trap rhomboid between the scap. And then I'm going to do either a low elbow horizontal row or a vertical pull. You can alternate. So you could do weighted chin-ups for one and then like a low roll for one and then another like pull down for one. So so maybe we go weighted chin-up for five reps. Then we have a day where we do uh, dumbbell one-arm rows with elbow low position. So lat dominant for eight to 10 reps. And then we have pull downs on a machine for 15 to 20 reps, Mm. three times a week. Um, Now we're hitting traps, upper and lower, a little bit of rear delts, rhomboids, which a lot of people miss out on. And that's going to help with that posture. And we're hitting lats three times a week, three different intensities, three different movement styles, exercise selections. We're hitting it from all angles. Um, There's no secret exercise. So Month one, you could do weighted chin-ups. Month two, it could be a T-bar row. Month three, it could be a bent row. Alls we we what I'm saying is you're hitting the lats four to six reps, heavy, once a week. You're hitting the lats 15 to 20 reps, three times a week. You're hitting the traps. You know what I mean? So we're hitting right. everything. Um, and if you're doing it three times a week, I would go two to three movements per session, and you're going like basically upper, mid, and low. So upper back, traps mid-back, low-trap, rhomboid because there's upper, mid, and lower trap, the muscle split into three, and then your lats being the lower. And Mm. you're doing that each session three times a week. You're going to dominate your back. Um, One thing I also did way back when I was really trying to develop my back because that was my weak point, and everybody at the gym gave me shit for it. I had to add that. Yeah. I mean, basically, they called me Cody McLittle back. I told that story in the podcast before. Um, And I did an upper-lower split because that's what we all trained. And then I would come in on Saturdays and I had a back day. And it was just like, I did what I just said. I was like, started with heavy chins. Then I would do like a drop set to pull downs. Then I would do, um, some like mid back rows. And then I would do some like trap finisher stuff. And then maybe some biceps, Mm. but it was like just an extra day to specialize on my back and just crush volume, which we have those types of programs in the Taylor trainer as well. Like a fifth day that you can add on. That's Mm -hmm. just specializing in glutes or specializing in upper body for men or, or abs or whatever specialty, um, But that's probably how I would go about it. I think uh, a lot of people would answer that with, like, you got to do deadlifts because deadlifts build your back. And you got to do crock rows because there's no secret exercise. Your body, your muscles are stupid. They don't know, oh, he's doing a crock row right now. This Mm -hmm. is going to develop my low trap. You know, it's tension. Tension. That's it. So it's just like, this is fucking hard. I need to adapt and get better at it. Period. So, There's no secret exercises. Do what works best for you. But I would split up the muscle groups, split up the volume, split up the intensities, hit it two to three times a week. I think you're going to be golden. Totally. Cool, man. All right. Well, we will
1: go to the next question, which comes from Debbie Cudbill. She said, how much stock should you put in Bodhi tracks or similar machines? Muscle mass dropping despite working out five times a week for over a year now. Is this because I'm over 50, so have to consider muscle loss, and weight training is now just a damage limitation exercise?
0: I think uh, this a, there's a couple things I would say here. Number one, I had to look up whatever that is just to see what it is, which should tell you something. I've been around a block in the fitness industry. I know quite a bit, and I had no idea what that machine was. Which tells you how much stock I put into those types of machines. Yeah, first not, of. not much. Second of all, don't put much stock in any of those machines. Uh, body fat scanners are extremely inaccurate. The, mm, is that what that is? Yeah. Uh, and, and it's it looks very similar to like an in-body, which is also inaccurate. Um, we have a blog on the website. I want to say it's tailoredcoachingmethod.com slash body-fat-scanners, but we'll link that in the description. You can also go to the blog and search it. But I literally take all the most popular ones, so... Bod Pods, Calipers, Dexa, Embody, and I literally, the the handheld uh, bioelectro and impedance, whatever it is, BMI, or some, BMI, I can't remember what it is, um, but I put all those in the blog and I basically just debunked them and told you exactly why um, they suck, <laughs> and one of the main reasons is because they, they use a type of measurement that is almost impossible to mimic on a, on a consistent basis. And the only way to get a truly, so DEXA is probably the gold standard for what's accessible to the public. Um, ultrasound is like the ultimate, but if you want to go get a your body fat scanned by an ultrasound, number one, no doctor is going to prescribe that for you. So your insurance will never cover it because you can't just go get your body fat tested yeah. without medical concern. Uh, number two, if you can somehow get access to it, you're probably going to drop thousands of dollars. Machines like that cost so much money. Um, you can get a DEXA scan for two to $300 for a single sitting, which is still quite a bit of money for somebody to spend just to find out an estimated body fat because yeah. even those can be tricked. Um, so I wouldn't put much merit into it at all. And and that's why I also, like you said, you're losing muscle mass. You might not be. Here, here's the thing is I, I could, so I could go today, go get a... Uh, Embody, for example, or whatever you just did. Basically the same exact thing. They look very, very similar. Embody is another machine Mm -hmm. that they use. And uh, I could go get it and it could tell me that I'm 12% body fat and I have 150 pounds of lean tissue, let's say. Lean tissue being muscle and organs and bone and everything. So it's not just muscle, but that's how it's rated. Um, Then I could not eat carbs for the next three days and I could do some high rep full body workouts, deplete my carbs as much as I can uh wake up not drink any water and go right to the uh test. the test and i would lose weight but i would probably have the same percentage body fat and less muscle tissue now did i really lose muscle tissue in 3 days no i depleted muscle glycogen because i depleted carbs i didn't eat any more carbs and i also didn't drink any water the morning of which would store in the muscle glycogen and therefore it would read it as not having it because a lot of those use an electrical signal where like if i'm holding it it's going to shoot the signal basically through this finger and then it goes all the way through my body and ends up in this hand on the other side how long it takes to do that determines based on a formula that they calculated yep what my body fat percentage is the less water i have the less glycogen i have the less sodium i have because that's going to help store those the slower that or the faster that's yeah. going to be right and that means i have less muscle yep it's not true there's there's been times where uh they actually somebody did this it wasn't like a it can't be considered a research study because it's not conducted at a lab. It's just a guy in the industry that did this. I can't remember who it was. He's a guy from the UK. But basically, he wrote about it. It was really cool. He he went and got a, um, <clears throat> a I want to say it was actually a DEXA. So it was like the more higher standard one. Um, but I can't be 100% sure. But what he did is basically went in after a diet, and then he went and did a refeed, ate a bunch of carb, drank some water, and then went back like just hours later. And it said he built like... <laughs> Up to almost 10 pounds of muscle, let's Jeez, say. 10 pounds. Now, his body weight may have changed just a few pounds, but what happened is his body fat percentage dropped and his muscle tissue increased, so it looked like he gained a bunch of muscle mm-hmm. really quickly. He just stored muscle. To, to, the, to the scanner. Yeah, he just sco- stored carbohydrates and glycogen because muscle tissue is like 60 65% water anyway. Yeah. So if you're depleting glycogen, which stores the water, and you're not drinking enough water... Going to show much muscle, so it's just highly inaccurate, and this also means too that there's so many fluctuations that can happen. So, in order to, and I actually did this when I got my knee surgery, I went and got a DEXA because I wanted to see, I didn't care so much about my body fat, but I wanted to see my left leg to my right leg because I had surgery on my left leg, and now it was like, okay, you're off crutches now, I can start training, let me go get a DEXA first. I want to see how much like size and muscle tissue I actually lost, not from. Like, I'm not going, oh, I have this many pounds of muscle in my right leg, this much in my left leg. I'm just looking at the transparency. What's the difference? Right. And there was a three pound, uh, or sorry, three inch difference. I don't remember how many pounds, but my left leg was three inches smaller than my right wow. leg. Wow. That's huge. Yeah. Um, and it took a little while to catch it, catch it back up. But basically, what I did is I went there and tested that. Um, and I was going to go back later on. I ended up not going back just because I just didn't care. Um, I also got it for free because they wanted me to write a blog on it which encouraged me to write the That's other blog cool. I wrote yeah. which was basically shitting on all the body fat scanners and I didn't name the company because yeah. they asked me to do it and then say hey you should write a blog on this like a positive one and then I told them I didn't want to <laughs> and I wrote a blog kind of They're shitting like don't come back yeah and I sh- I basically was just like all body fat scanners are bad but I didn't link them because I didn't want to like be a dick but I just
1: want I just want to interrupt you real quick um just for everybody the blog is taylorcoachingmethod.com slash body dash fat dash testing
0: testing okay cool um thank you and uh and so when I went there I, I saw the transparency there and but what I did is I literally have it journaled the night before what did I eat what were my macros when did I go to bed when did I wake up what did I eat before I went like everything because the only way for me to be t- totally accurate is to go okay last time i did it on a friday morning after my macros mm. were this the day before this the day you know what i mean and then i can kind of try to replicate it but that's just ridiculous yeah you know people aren't doing that's that. because you do track so yeah and, and people aren't doing that though they go to the gym and then the, when the gym's like hey we're doing scanning today they're like oh, okay cool let me jump on totally. did you have stress did you have more sodium did you have alcohol this week did you have less macros did you have a cut like what happened You less water yeah and a lot of times gyms do it sorry to First gym owners bubble and and plans, but they do it because if you step on this and it says, man, you're a pretty high body fat percentage, what do you want to do? Go to the gym. You want to go to the fucking gym. We're going to help you. Yeah. It bites them in the ass when they do it again, and then it still shows results like this. Yeah. So I highly doubt that's the case for you, Glory. I I don't think you need to worry about it like that. I I truly, I'm I'm very anti-body fat scanners for this reason. They're just not accurate. This This is Debbie. Oh, I'm sorry. The last question was Glory. Yeah sorry, Deb, Um, the thing I would recommend if you really, really want to pay attention to body fat levels is use calipers. They will not give you an accurate percentage. When I stepped on stage for my bodybuilding competition, I was, uh, according to the caliper, like 3.5, like just under 4% body fat. I'd be fucking dead if I was 3.5 to 4% body fat. That's not what I was. But what I did do is I I was 12% when I started, when I probably started really at like 16%. The point is, is I did, had the same person do it, I did it in the same sites, I used the same formula, I did it the same morning every week throughout my bodybuilding prep and all I cared about was, is there a trend going down? That's how you should use body fat scanners, mm. right? Use calipers because the water, all those things are gonna make such a big difference. The number might be inaccurate, but if you can see that it goes from 16 to 13 to 10 to eight, you're improving. Who cares if it's eight or six or 10? You're improving, you're losing body fat, that's all that really matters. So that's what you should be paying attention to. Now those type of machines embodies the ones you hold in the hands. Body, I don't like any of those. I don't think they're accurate at all. I think Dex is too expensive. Calipers are the cheapest route. They're not the most accurate from a number, but they are very accurate from a trending perspective. And that's why bodybuilders say still use them. Um, now the only other thing I would say is number one, you're probably not losing muscle tissue. I just explained why. Number two, as we age, muscle protein synthesis does drop. So our ability to have that signal from protein or that signal from strength training does decrease. So when I go strength train at age 20 and then I eat, drink a protein shake with 20 grams of protein, huge spikes in muscle protein synthesis. When I do that at 30, the spike is a little bit less. When I do that at 50, it's even less. So what, what do we need to do here? We need to eat a little bit more protein. So instead of having 20 grams per feeding as like your minimum, you're going to have like 40 and you just need to increase that a little bit. Now, depending on your body weight, I don't know if it should be actually 40. I'm just saying you should increase Generally speaking, it's between 20 to 50 grams per meal that's going to maximize muscle protein synthesis, and then you want to eat three to five hours later. Um, I mean, you don't have to eat three to five hours. It could be four to six, but point being is having feedings of that amount so, um, just know that you need to eat a little bit more protein as you age and that's going to help with muscle maintenance because you're protecting muscle protein synthesis and preventing muscle protein breakdown because that increases as we age Totally, um, along with most other hormones. And it makes sense. I mean, if we think about the metabolism, I mean, it slows down as we age, growth hormone slows down as we age, testosterone slows down as we age. A lot of these things are actually to make us live longer because yeah. at a certain point you can't, you shouldn't be producing more and more and more of those. Cause what do those do? they they turn over cells. They they rebuild. They grow. But once you're done growing and once you're done developing, you shouldn't keep pushing the button to develop more and more and more or metabolism to speed things up more and more because metabolism quite literally is like our body's timeline. It causes hair growth. It causes skin. It causes repair of tissues. It causes fuel, all these things. But at a certain point, it, it slows down for a good reason. It's because we want to live longer. We don't want to keep developing and keep growing because that speeds up our lifespan. Um, so random little rant. That could be a whole. Honestly, we should probably should do like a whole podcast topic on just the metabolism. Yeah. You know, um, I have it written down for hormones, but um, maybe separating it into be dope. hormones or like metabolism and then the most associated ones, probably like um, thyroid, ghrelin, growth hormones, stuff like leptin like just metabolism. Yeah, like so a series. Yeah, it'd be sick. Um, Love it. yeah,
1: Cool. All right. Well, we will go on to the next one here from uh, Jennifer Johnston. We got, hey, Cody, can you break down approach in working with a client who has 40 to 50 or even 60 pounds to lose? How do you approach that in terms of timeline and diet breaks,
0: etc.? Um, yeah, like... I literally had this conversation with, I'm going to read this from a group that, uh, so it depends. Uh, We have a group that's a team and I was talking about this with one of the coaches Uh, and I said with gen pop clients, I typically see it as a 12 to 16 week cut or a 20 to 24 week cut. 12 to 16 weeks is going to be reserved for those who are very adherent and don't need the diet breaks along the way. They just want to get after it, and their lifestyles don't interfere with it much, if at all. 20 to 24 weeks reserved for those who have more weight to lose, probably this person, who do need diet breaks, have more social events, life gets in the way, et cetera, probably just have a lack of adherence and therefore simply need more time um, if it's not a high weight loss goal that they're after. And this is actually where I personally sit too just because I need more time because uh, I take more intuitive diet breaks, refeeds along the way, I have uh, things going on in life that I don't like to miss for a diet essentially. Um, and that slows me down a little bit. Uh, but, but with that being said, I don't see anything wrong with going longer than six months. Um, six months is a big piece of time, but if, if biofeedback is good, if you're constantly improving, if the person doesn't feel like shit, there's no reason to, to change that. And, and actually Dr. Brendan Roberts echoed me and just said, you know, if, if somebody's at six months of dieting and they're not bodybuilding shredded stage lean, There's really no reason for us to pull back because a lot of times people get into the habit of dieting. They get in the habit of a healthier lifestyle and they keep losing weight. And yes, they are in a little bit of a deficit, but it's not unhealthy unless it's causing adverse effects. And even if it does start to cause adverse effects like metabolic adaptation, hormonal adaptation, those are easily reversed as soon as you return back to maintenance Um, As long as they're not so shredded that they need to put on body fat. So again, a bodybuilder is a different scenario because they get so lean that they remove the healthy amount of body fat you're supposed to have on your body. Um, People getting lifestyle lean, a gen pop client, they're not going to get that lean. And therefore the metabolic adaptation isn't nearly as severe and reversing the process is way easier. Um, So how do I approach it from everything timeline? I mean, 40, 50, 60 pounds, you're probably going to be dieting for six months for sure. Um, if not longer, I think there's nothing wrong with going eight months, even 12 months. If you plan diet breaks in there now, that could be, you know, dieting hard for a month and then taking a week off month on week off. It could be, uh, you know, which would be psychological. You don't really need that. Or it could be, maybe you get after it for 12 to 16 weeks and then you take a full one to two months off. Like I've talked about before with myself and, and people that are leaner, you could do that with people who have 40, 50, 60 pounds to lose as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of ways to spin it. I think in general, what I'm trying to do is is create a uh, diet environment and a coaching setup to where we're being patient, it's sustainable, and it matches what the person psychologically can deal with. So for some people, they are the type that is like, I'm not going to drink for six months. I want to get after this. I want to change my life. I am all in. I'm starting these new habits. I start a new job. They're just like, move to a new state. They're just all in. It's like, okay, cool. Like we're getting after it. And I want to lose, you know, one, 1.5% body weight per week. So we're aiming for two, three pounds a week as, as long as we can. And we're pushing, we're getting aggressive. It might be less than six months, you know, then there's the other person who, you know, I still want to enjoy my anniversary. I still want to enjoy Christmas. i still want to enjoy some things. I have a stressful lifestyle. And it's like, okay, we're going to aim for half a pound to a pound a week. And we're just going to go slow. Like I have a guy right now that's just been losing literally one pound a week. And there are weeks where he's like, man, I feel like, I feel like we're going slow. I feel like we're not doing enough because I feel so good. I'm PRing. I, I don't feel like I'm dieting. And I'm like, you're losing a pound every week. Like, that's a lot of weight. You know, what is there, 52 weeks in a year? You lose 52 pounds in a year, you look dramatically different. Yeah. And if you have more, let's say you have 80 pounds to lose, you would have some weeks where you lose two pounds. So you, maybe you lose anywhere between 50 to fucking 80 pounds in a year. Because you went slow. Yeah. You know, there's going to be weeks where you don't feel like you're doing enough because it's not super hard on you because you're changing your habits and lifestyle. But that's a good thing. Fuck it. It just takes more time. So it's hard for me to say specifically, but typically I'm going a slower route. It's more sustainable. If somebody has 50 to 60 pounds to lose, they don't live a lifestyle that is uh, condoning being lean or fit or performing at a high level they just don't they have bad habits otherwise they wouldn't be 50 60 pounds overweight so to expect somebody to be aggressive and make this huge transformation or huge shift in everything it's kind of unrealistic for most people um there is every once in a while the person that is they want to do that i mean shit, i did that yeah. i dropped 45 50 pounds when i first started losing weight which is crazy to think about but it was cold turkey yeah i just was like fuck it let's go you know part of it was most of my friends were in college yeah and i was like, All right, Got nothing, yeah, nothing to, to do. Nothing else to do. Yeah. Let's figure this training thing out. Yeah. Um, and eat Special K instead of Fruit Loops. <laughs> Literally like my plan. Diet yeah. Mountain Dew instead yeah. of Mountain Dew um, at first. But, you know, some people are that way. Some people aren't. And uh, you have to match it with them. But usually it's a slower, sustainable approach. For sure. Yeah.
1: Cool. All right. That's good. Um, all right. We got the next one. I am not sure how to pronounce this. Rhodes me. Uh, says, what are your general guidelines for a beat up 40
0: year old lifter? I like this one for two reasons. Number one, I think there's a lot of people who hear 40 year old lifter and they're going to like perk their ears and be like, damn, that's me. And I think you're making excuses. Like, I don't mean to like call you out and people probably think like, yeah, you young fuck, shut up. But there's a lot of people who say like, oh, I'm too old to do this. I'm too old to that. And the, the truth is, is we just need to make some minor tweaks and you feel amazing. There's a lot of people who have like sore, achy joints and um, even I've been there, you know, and the truth is, is you can make some minor tweaks to your stress, your hydration, your, your nutrients, and your joints will feel a hell of a lot better. Um, just lifestyle practices that reduce inflammation are going to make you feel so much better. And then we add some mobility and stretching and then we add some like functional style bodybuilding, not heavy okay. compound lifts. And you feel amazing. Now, all of a sudden, you're, you're a savage at 40. So it's very, very possible. And I just say that because there's a lot of people who do use that as an excuse. Um, and it's, it's, it's because what you've tried hasn't worked, but it's also because you haven't invested any time or money into a smart program or a smart coaching system that would develop that. And I've seen countless people do this because when I was training in the gym, 90% of the people I worked with, at least, yeah. I would say 90% were over 35, but I'd almost say 80% or more were over 40 a lot of them were 45, 50, 60, and I showed a lot of those people how to feel good again. Yeah. And it's just, it's just lifestyle practices, stress management, lowering inflammation through those and dietary practices, and then training the right way. Now, for this guy, he says, uh, beat up lifter. I'm assuming, did he add something to that? You know it's a guy? Uh, I looked at his picture. Okay, cool. cool. Yeah. Um, but I think he was a picture of him and his wife, so it could be one yeah. of the two. Rhodes me. Um, who knows? But I'm pretty sure it was a dude. But if, regardless, of the information applies to both. You probably power lifted or lifted heavy or something because you're saying you're a beat-up lifter, which means you're probably advanced and you're just you're you're su- claiming that yeah, and yeah. you're and you're suffering the consequences of of a lifestyle of, of lifting heavy weights, which does happen. You know, like I was ignorant to warming up and mobility and all that stuff, even though some of the people I trained with were super into it, and I was just like, I'm never in pain, so why would I do that? Um, well, you do that so you don't end up in pain. Because yep. now I do have more like I've had low back issues. I've had two, three surgeries on my knee. Fucking like, I wish I would have taken care of my body more. Um, but I think the best advice, uh, there's, there's three categories, training or, so yeah, training, uh, nutrition, and then supplementation slash stress management. And, uh, the first one being training is I would typically steer you towards more of like, a a functional bodybuilding program, um, functional uh, like body composition style training. And, and you can still do power lifts, barbell, uh, so bench press, deadlift, squat, but you're probably going to do variations that aren't the back squat, the barbell bench press, or the, the barbell deadlift anymore. We're going to use a trap bar for deadlifts. We're going to use uh, a, the front squat or a safety bar squat for squats um, or a trap bar or do split squats or, and for, for Bench press, we're going to use dumbbells, we're going to do a floor press, we're going to do a slight incline, we're going to do neutral bar, um, we're going to add chains, we're going to do something that allows us to lower the load, we're probably going to create more variations week to week so that we don't overstimulate the same movement pattern and cause joint issues, but rather challenge our nervous system every single week to build strength While changing the variation on a more regular basis to avoid overuse injuries, which does happen for powerlifters and people doing the same movements over and over and over again, especially when they have a lot of experience in those movements. Um, We're probably going to use a lot of dumbbells, bands, and cables just because they tend to be a little bit easier on the joints because it's not fixed like a barbell. Totally. Um, And we're going to do things that make you feel like you're training really hard, but it's not stressful to the joints too much or this globally right so overall fatigue your nervous system your joints your muscle everything at once rather like let's challenge the muscle to the max without challenging the joints and the nervous system and stuff like that so ways to do this number one is unilateral training um you saw me yesterday i was doing trap bar split squats with 225 which i didn't think i was gonna go that heavy but i was fucking for six to eight reps 225 pounds on a trap bar doing a split squat destroyed my quads yeah but for me to get that same stimulus on both quads and a trap bar squat let's say just a regular squat on a trap bar i'd have to do close to 450 pounds it's probably not exactly translating mm. to double but close to it because i'm splitting the load per leg right so a 450 pound trap bar squat is technically 225 pounds per leg you're never perfectly symmetrical so it's probably not exactly that but for close enough yeah theoretical purposes um But that's also 450 pounds on my spine, 450 pounds on my nervous system, whereas a split squat is still 225 pounds per leg, but it's 225 pounds. on It's half the load on my spine, half the load on my nervous system, right? I'm not going to do a powerlifting competition, so why not reduce the load on my spine, my joints, my nervous system while still maximizing the load on my muscles? Pretty smart, right? Easy way for these people to do that. I even do this, but... Um, I think most people who want body composition and to be strong without competing, I think most of them should do more of this stuff. So unilateral movements are going to be huge uh, to help you out. Um, Keeping yourself always above the six-rep range, ideally over the eight-rep range. You know, every once in a while on a compound lift, like I just said, split squat, um, bench press variation, squat variation, deadlift variation, your compound lift a day, you can definitely do... um, Uh, six reps but I would try to keep your reps over eight the reason being it just reduces the load and it still keeps you in that hypertrophy range keeps you in a maximum tension range Um, but now we're at least not dipping into that like sub max level below six you start to get to 80% 90% of 100 max now you're just pushing the the threshold of intensity too high so I would definitely keep below that Um, you got to find a sweet spot for volume I would rather have a higher volume program with lower intensity for sure because I think it's easier on your joints and nervous system However, you can't maximize volume too much because apparently you're, you're, an advanced lifter who's a little bit beat up. You just can't do it. You know, you need to focus on, or the, shouldn't, you shouldn't do it. There's yeah. just no reason to, um, if you want to lift for a longer time, right? So doing things like the this, 50, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, doing stuff like bands, drop sets, things like that, that maximize tension and make you feel like you're crushing your workout, which you are, but don't add too much volume. That's going to be a really good route to go. Um, And for exercise, I mean, that's like the biggest thing. For exercise, I typically like upper-lower split. That way you're not doing too much of one body part in one day, but you're also not doing too high of frequency to where you have repetitive movements. Like if you're doing full body and you're squatting four times a week, it's just a lot on your knees and hips. I'd rather squat once a week, deadlift once a week, and then do accessory work on both those days. So you have two days of legs. Um, I would be doing active recovery between. So uh, non-eccentric-based cardio, so no running. uh, Strictly like air bike, rower would be okay. Sled poles, things that are, you're contracting the muscle through a shortening cycle and you're bringing blood flow and oxygen into the muscle, but you're not doing any eccentric. So on a sled, you put your leg down, you contract your quad, and then you lift your leg. There's no load on it, right? Running, every time you land on your leg, that's an eccentric load that's impact to your joint. When you lift up, you're doing a concentric. Air bike, rower, sled, um, even a kettlebell swing, most of those don't have any eccentric at all. It's just concentric. So you're having less muscle damage, but you're still bringing a lot of blood flow to the muscle, which will help muscle growth, but ultimately it'll help recovery without creating more damage. Really, really helpful. So throwing sled work in between, stuff like that is is huge. Um, and that's how I would outline training. You know, keeping a one or two RIR on everything, there's no reason to go to failure, go to max on anything. Um, nutrition, I would say... Keeping your fats in a place where your hormones stay healthy and then mainly focusing on protein and carbs like I usually talk about because that's going to fuel better performance, better recovery, better hydration of the muscle and that's going to lead to less injuries, period. Okay. Um, so, and more protein like I talked about in the last one, um, water, stuff like that, um, sodium as well, getting enough electrolytes in your, in your body because uh, typical like good salt, sea salt and stuff like that is high in iodine, selenium, things that are going to help your nervous system pink. and your thyroid, um, pink Himalayan salt's great it's going to help hydrate the muscle. It's also going to keep your thyroid healthy and your nervous system active. Um, and, uh, in training, I wouldn't do explosive stuff. So no box jumps, no throws. You can do some box jumps, but keep the box low, focus on the landing, focus on explosiveness. You don't need to set a record. You know, I, I like slams and, um, body weight jumps and stuff like that, where you practice the landing, you're still explosive and you're, which is important as you get older because your nervous system slows down and you need that to catch fall. You need that to be reactive. So, in Get your brain thinking hard. It's productivity, everything. So being explosive, being reactive, but not doing things that are going to cause injury. So don't go do a sprint. Don't go do like long distance broad jumps. Like do a smaller broad jump and just focus on being explosive and landing good. You don't need to do anything crazy. Nutrition is easy. Supplementation and stress. uh, So supplements, I mean there's, this is an easy, easy plug for Legion, who is a sponsor of this podcast. Uh, So anything I mentioned here is going to be sold by Legion. So I'd highly recommend you go over to buylegion.com slash boom, boom, little shameless plug for our sponsor of this Q and a at the end of the day, they're the best supplement company. That's why we work with them. That's why we've trusted them for years. And that's why they keep growing and growing and growing and putting out a ton of quality information on what you actually need to do outside of supplementation as well. But from them, what I would highly recommend is number one, um, I would take their multivitamin because a lot of people just are lacking multivitamins. This one isn't going to necessarily help you in the gym, but it is going to cover your bases. And at the end of the day, training, it affects your immune system. It breaks down your immune system. That's why people who train hard have stronger immune systems get sick less often. It's because they're constantly working it. Um, so taking a multivitamin, which is going to have the iron, the B vitamins, the zinc, um, it's the, the highest dose, but the most properly dosed multivitamin on the market. That's why. That's actually the first supplement by legion I ever took. And it was because I sought out a multivitamin that didn't undercut all the ingredients. And I mean, there's a reason you have to take eight fucking pills. Yeah, it works. It's really good. Um, More specific to recovery, their post-workout, which has creatine in it. You definitely want to take that um, simply because creatine is going to help hydrate the muscle. And there are some research studies that show injury risk gets reduced in athletes when supplementing with creatine which is most likely because you are bringing more hydration uh, in in blood flow um, into the muscle. It helps your recovery, and uh, it actually helps brain focus as well. So you're thinking a little bit clearer when you're training, but when you're supplementing with that, you're probably just training better, and therefore there's less likelihood of injury. It could be the hydration effect, but nonetheless, studies show— less injuries. Totally. So you might as well take creatine. Um, there's a supplement called Fortify. Um, I take this every single day. I highly recommend it for anybody who has joint issues. So if that's you with this, I would definitely recommend it. Um, it has a few different things. It does have collagen in it. It has uh, vitamin C, a, a, ascorbic acid, which is actually just there to help the collagen work. So collagen is better absorbed in the body when it is supplemented with vitamin C. It's why a lot of collagen brands put vitamin C in the collagen supplement. Um, it has curcumin, which is uh, really, really helpful for joints and it's it's uh it's called mariva so it's a bioavailable curcumin usually you have to have black pepper extract or or the actual ingredient inside of black pepper to make curcumin work so if you're putting turmeric or curcumin on your food as like a seasoning make sure you put black pepper with it because black pepper is what allows you to absorb the curcumin properly for joint health so if you're using it on food black pepper as well don't just use curcumin um and there's a couple other things in there that are going to help with uh uh joint health as well but the point is 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 it's a really good supplement for just joint health in general the creatine is amazing um and then like i said the multivitamin i'd also throw fish oil in there too cuz fish oil has been shown to help reduce joint inflammation inflammation as a whole and and promote health so a lot of people with joint issues i like to double dose, if not 1.5 dose fish oil. So getting a little extra fish oil in your diet, omega-3s, which are going to be super, super helpful. So um, shout out to Legion for sponsoring this podcast. Those supplements are huge. Uh, and along with those, just manage your stress, you know, make sure you're getting sleep, make sure that you're promoting meditative practices to reduce inflammation. Um, there was actually a really interesting study that showed positive thinking, increased lifespan, decreased anxiety, like uh it was at John Hopkins. Absolutely. It was really, really cool. So um I want to dig deeper into it before I talk about it much. I'm gonna write a post on it because I want to know what did they do to get them to practice positive thinking, you know, because I mean that's a very broad term. Yeah. Think positive and you're live on <clears> But um nonetheless, like those kind of strategies for stress management is gonna lower inflammation and that's gonna help too. But those totally. are those are my general general guidelines for the forty year old meathead who's a little bit beat up.
1: Yeah. Cool. Uh, I think that was great advice, Cody. We will uh, go on to the next one. Comes from Peachy Dave. This is the uh, personality question. It says, "Any quote unquote secret skills your
0: fans would be surprised to learn about you." You think it's from the UK? You know, you know, Peachy United? Dave. Just because Peachy, it's not like a term they say over there. Just Peachy. Maybe. I think it is. Okay. Um, okay. So first of all, this is funny because he said fans. Yeah. To me, that that's not, when I read that, I was like, "That sounds weird." Yeah. Um. Thank you. <laughs> sounds weird. <laughs> I'm just not used to. That. Yeah. Um. Supporters. Supporters. Audience. I'm fine with fans. I yeah. mean, I would say that to somebody that I followed. That I, you know. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. I don't see that as. It like, just sounds weird when it comes. It, it happens to you. I get it. Or when you hear it. Cause yeah. You're my best friend. Yeah. <laughs> you're probably like, "That's weird." Um. You're like, "I'm not a fan." <laughs> not a fan. Um. All right. So. Secret skills. Secret (laughs) skills. Oh, hell them your secret (sighs) skills, dude. All right. I'm untouchable. (laughs) So I got a few. Um, I can't get sick. Oh, my God. I contribute that to positive thinking because I, this isn't a skill, but this is just a weird thing that I do. I look in the mirror and I talk to myself. When anybody in my my household gets sick, I tell myself, you ain't getting sick. (laughs) (laughs) Shannon gives me so much. Are you being serious? Oh, I do it, dude. I literally look in the mirror and I'm like, you can't get sick. There's no way. And I just say it with a straight face. I'm like, you can't. Like you're you're healthy, you're fit. Somebody's got to stay healthy in this household. You can't get. There's just no way. You got to run the company. I just like talk myself into it. So far, it's worked. Yeah, two or three times in a row, man. Touche. Like through some like mild cold Sick and some shit. serious shit, and I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God, Shannon doesn't listen to this. Oh God, um, I told her too. She knows I do it. She just makes fun of me. Um. Does that really do it? I don't know. But I, I'm, I'm I'll do it. do it. I, I do whatever I can. I yeah. take like some other stuff too when people around me are getting sick wellness formula, stuff like that. It's like super, super high antioxidant. Make every sweat pour in your body smell like garlic, but works. Helps. Helps. Um, I love that. So, uh, but that's not a skill. That's just a weird thing that I do. Um, I put this on my Instagram story, and this is, this is a fact. I truly believe that I may have gone pro at aggressive rollerblading if my brother didn't make me feel really lame for doing it and talk me into skateboarding because damn. I mean, dude, I was like, I mean, I know you were good, but damn, dude, I was like crazy good. Like I remember when I was, how old are you in sixth grade? Sixth, seventh grade. I don't know. I mean, you're younger than maybe? everybody.
1: Maybe 11, 12,
0: <clears throat> sixth grade. Google that.
1: You can drive in, in 10th Tenth grade. grade.
0: I couldn't drive till I was in 11th grade. Cause I was younger than everybody. I have a summer birthday. So if you're 16 and 11, that means... Either 11 or 12. Yeah, okay, so fuck, that's crazy. So in a, when I was 11 or 12 and 13 in 7th uh, grade, twelve. so I was 11, then 12 <laughs> in 7th grade. Then, I was 18. grinding handrails down 15, 20 set stairs, which is nuts. Honestly, I think a big part of it, and this is why there's a lot of pros uh, or people that go pro that start so young, is you don't have an awareness of, of uh, injury or pain that you can really, like conceptualize the consequences for yeah i was talking to shannon about this with uh like just doing dumb shit when you're a kid you don't think about the consequences fully so you and this is why like uh, gang members in certain areas recruit very very young gang members because they can't comprehend getting shot getting shot or going to jail or all the negative things that can actually happen to you and the consequences that will last the rest of your life you can't think about it so like when i'm going up to a 20 stair i don't think about snapping my arm in half and if it ever repairs fully or you know what i mean i just okay cool it's a round or is it a square rail yeah. like what trick am I gonna do on it Yeah. Um, but we used to do, I used to do some pretty crazy shit I was definitely the best in my group for sure uh, and then when I think I was like in 8th or ninth grade my brother just he just clowned on me so much because he was a skateboarder and all his friends so he just called me fruit booter and just like made fun of me and finally I was like alright I'm just gonna start skateboarding because most people are starting to skateboard now and I'm like the last over it yeah so Damn. I was like alright I'm gonna skateboard um, but I was sick I think I could've gone pro there if I would have stuck with it, especially if I stuck with it till my twenties, fuck. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I probably would have had, I'm way, way more well off now not yeah. doing that. Cause pro road, road is not a very popular yeah. sport <laughs> to make a career out of. Um, but that's a thing. Um,
1: I, I, had a, I hadn't, I hadn't been one of these people asking questions on the podcast about 50, 60 pounds overweight though. Still. Yeah, exactly. Saying you may know ever got yeah. into fitness.
0: Exactly. Um, Yeah. Or would have been for a completely different reason. Yeah. Um, but there was had another one that was. uh, Oh, I have an abnormal skill of naming uh, actors and actresses. Yes, you do. It's weird.
1: Like random movies, just like yeah, relating to other random movies. Yeah,
0: Shannon hates that because it was like pause it.
1: And they're always like extras.
0: (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah. Sometimes they are. Sometimes they're main characters. But yeah, that's how you know it's a skill if they're an extra because I'll pause it and be like. You know where that guy's from? And Chan's like, I don't even care. He's <laughs> in this nope. movie for five minutes. Yeah. Like and I'm like, well, I'll tell you. <laughs> and then sometimes I'll say, and she's like, no, he's not. Google it. Sure enough. Damn. 90% of the time or more, I'm right. It's really, it's really fucking odd. I don't know why. I have this thing about faces. I, half the time, I don't even know their names. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not good with names. Not good with numbers. Like, there's a lot of people who memorize their credit card or debit card number. Mm. No shot. I barely know my social security number. Oh, my God. I literally have to, like... Get a keypad and go like this, my fingers to know it. Yeah. Um, but actors and actresses, I'm I'm great with that. Um. I don't know if I have any other actual skills. I'm not actually good at anything else. Yeah. You know,
1: I'm on the opposite. I I I do. I can remember numbers. Um. I used to be able to cite like like, uh, states and capitals like at the back of my hand. Damn. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't like like competition, but always. Always won that shit. In yeah. Geography class? Never. I'm a huge geography guy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You
0: travel a lot. Yeah. I'm horrible with geography. geography. Horrible with that. Yeah. I love, I think it's awesome to travel and I love seeing cultures and places, but I mean, I can, shit. I, I still get confused how many states there are. And there's, is it 50 or is it 52? I don't know why yeah. I get 52 in my yeah. head. Is it 52? Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know why. It used to be less though, right? It was mm-hmm. 49. And they acquired Hawaii. There, there used to be zero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no shit. To be 1. Yeah, I, or like even if somebody says like 50, what the fuck? Yeah, see, I knew it. But they, they talk about like I thought they talked about 52 as well. Like
1: Dominican Republic I think is
0: Oh, uh, maybe it used to be a or state? Cuba. Or no, they're uh they're United States territories. DC and uh Puerto Rico are territories, they're yeah, not 50 states. states. Yeah. Um, so I remember that from history class, but these are also things that I don't need in order to be successful. I think about that all the time. Like
1: You also don't need to know actors or actresses. Yeah.
0: Very true. Yeah. I, d- I, don't, I have no idea where that came from. Um, but, yeah, that's that's all I got. I don't have very many skills. Um, I used to have a cool skill of, of role-relating. <laughs> now I uh, have a skill. Of you can it. pick it back up. Yeah, dude, it's like riding a bike. Yeah. I think so. Um,
1: I'm trying to think last you prefer skateboarding, though?
0: It's one of those things where, like, I think skateboarding's way fucking cooler, and I like watching skateboarding a lot. Like, yeah. on my birthday, I told you we ended up at that, that bar, me and Shannon, and fucking, they put the Skateboard Olympics on. Yeah. It's like, we're not going anywhere. It was perfect. <laughs> so I had a drink. Watch that. I ate a good dinner. It was sick. But roll playing is just not that cool to watch. Yeah. But it's mm. also one of those things where when you're really good at something, it's way more fun. Yeah. So I would probably have more fun role because I'm just way better at but if it.
1: But you, if, if you're really good at it, you're interested in it, so you will watch it. Yeah. You're like, holy crap. I, yeah. I could.
0: I used to watch rollback videos all the time with my yeah. friends. Uh, a ton. Me and Kent skated a lot. Brett never did. He always skateboarded. But, yeah, I don't know. Skateboarding, to me, is, is way more fascinating, too. It's like to be able to do some of the shit they do. Like, dude, second place on the female Olympics. Do you see who that was? 13 years old fucking crazy dude yeah. she's so good yeah she did a back lip side over this handrail and like basically for people listening you if you're on the opposite side of the rail you're literally all doing a backside 180 which is way harder than a frontside 180 board sliding it backwards after you already brought your back heel over the fucking rail She's 13. Yeah. She went viral and got millions of followers way back because she did a kickflip in a tutu, like a fairy tutu when she was like seven over like a five set of stairs or something. Um, And I remember it going viral. I never thought she would be winning the Olympics two years or five years later. Like, damn, crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. But it's super cool. So skateboarding's way more fun to watch.
1: Cool. All right, guys. Well, that is the last question for the day. Um, Got a lot of good ones today. Anything else you want to announce?
0: No, there's a lot of good links in the in the show notes. Check out Legion. Uh, save 20% on your first order. I probably should have said that, and then you earn points after that, so you're always going to get free stuff. Uh, check out the, the free seminars we have on our website at taylorcoachmyth.com guides, and then check out that body fat testing article that I mentioned because I think you'll learn a lot, and you'll realize that they just do not live up to the hype, and there's just no reason to get stressed out about them. And, and outside of that, happy fucking Friday.
1: Have a good one, guys.